Good evening and welcome to Mining the Riches of the Parsha. Tonight is Thursday night, April 28th, 2022. It is such a great pleasure for me to be back with you together at our regular time, Thursday nights at 7 p.m. I'm grateful to, to every one of you for joining tonight and for having the opportunity to be able to study together with you. The high holidays are so hectic. One yum tov after another, so many themes, so many details to learn, to absorb. We are fortunate that this Shabbos, the Torah portion, our Parsha, is the Parsha of Acharemos, which begins with the description of how Yom Kippur was observed in the Beis Hamikdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. When that was standing, and the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, was active all day, offering karbonos, sacrifices, and performing rituals, many of them unique to Yom Kippur alone. And all of this together is known as the Avodah, the service. And it was this Avodah, performed by the Kohen Gadol, watched by everyone else standing around that achieved on Yom Kippur the most glorious gift from God. The famous verse from our Torah portion, Ki bayom On this day, referring to Yom Kippur, we will be forgiven for our sins and purified from all of our sins. We will appear before God purified and cleansed through God's forgiveness on Yom Kippur. We do not have a Beis HaMikdash. Today, we do not have a Kohen Gadol performing the Avodah. But the ceremony described in our Torah portion is not in the past. It is with us in the present. Allow me to explain. On Yom Kippur, a major section of the afternoon Musaf prayer is our recitation, our review in the form of prayer of every detail of this avoda, this service described in detail in our Torah portion this week. But crucially, this is not just a recollection of what used to happen. On the Shabbos before Yom Kippur, we read a special Haftorah, a passage from the prophet Hosea, which begins with the words, Shuva Yisrael ad Hashem Elokecha, return Israel to God your Lord, ki bavonecha, you have stumbled on sins. You've stumbled, you've sinned, return to God. 
How does one return to God? Well, for Hosea, the prophet, living during the time when the Beis Hamikdash is still standing in Jerusalem, the answer is obvious. Return to God through the sacrifices, through the karbonos, through the avodah. That is how we achieve atonement on Yom Kippur. But Hosea says something else. Hosea says something that is actually revolutionary. And, at first glance, not so easy to understand. How do we go about returning to God? In the aftermath of stumbling with our sins? Next Pasuk. Kuchu imachem dvarim. Take words. Veshuvu el Hashem. And return to God. Imru elav. Say to God. Kol tisa avon v'kachtov. You lift up our sins and you take us for good. Uneshalma parim sefasenu. Very difficult to translate those words. Something about neshalma means payment. Parim refers to a par, a bull, an animal. Sefasenu means our tongue. Our voice. What's going on? Take which words? Take what kind of words to return to God? It's that's it doesn't fit in with everything that we know from Hosea's time. So our rabbis in the Talmud explain by recounting a conversation between God and Avraham Avinu, Abraham our forefather, our patriarch, at the time of the first covenant, the creation of the relationship between God and Israel. And Avraham says to God, okay, we're going to enter into a covenant, we're going to enter into a relationship, but God What's going to happen when the Jewish people sin? Are you going to forsake us? Is it going to be all over as soon as we make a mistake? And God says to Avram, don't worry. There will be a Beis Amigdash, a holy temple in Jerusalem. And there will be sacrifices, karbonos, there will be the avoda, And through the process of the sacrifices... I will be able to forgive you for your sins. So don't worry. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to give you a way to be able to recover if you stumble on sins. But Avraham says to God, well, that's okay as long as there's a Beis Amigdash. But what happens if the Beis Amigdash is no longer there? What happens if there are no more karbanos? What happens if there is no more avoda? Then are you going to forsake us? Then will there be a way for us to be forgiven? And God says, If you will say before me the words 
describing the sacrifices. I, God, am willing to accept your words as if you have actually done the actions of offering the Avodah, and I will still forgive you if you offer your words. Unashalma parim svasenu is interpreted to mean the words of our lips will be a substitute for the sacrifices, for the animal offerings. No more animal offerings, but we will recount what the offerings would be, and our words of recounting what the offerings consist of, the description, our words will be accepted by God as if we did the Avodah ourselves. And that is why on Yom Kippur we recite the Avodah as the major part of our Yom Kippur service. In fact, every day in the morning, at the very beginning of the Shachris, the morning service, we recite the details of the daily sacrifices and we say the following words. May it be your will, God, our God and the God of our ancestors, that you should take the words that we have just spoken in describing the daily sacrifices that the words that we said should be accepted by you, God, as if we actually offered the daily sacrifice in its correct time, in its correct place, according to all of its details. That's the promise that comes from Hosea. That's what he means, take words. Take words, and your words will be accepted by God as the substitute for the actions that we can no longer perform. So the details of the Avodah in our Torah portion are brought to life by us on Yom Kippur, when we pray them, when we say the words, with God's promise to accept our words as if we are doing the rituals we are describing and with God's promise to respond with his forgiveness. So, with this understanding of the present, alive nature of this worship in our Torah portion for Yom Kippur, let's now turn our focus to one element of that avodah, one element, one, I would say, the most critical component of the day's service, and I would also say the most baffling part of this ceremony. And it's described in our Torah portion and it's recited by us on Yom Kippur and I'm referring to the Seir Hamishtaleach, the goat 
that is sent away. Sometimes this is translated as the scapegoat. And that's actually the source of this term. So on Yom Kippur, the actual forgiveness by God of Klal Yisrael, of the Jewish people, the main goal that we're after on Yom Kippur, was achieved on Yom Kippur by this sent away goat, this scapegoat. And it went as follows. Two goats would be chosen, two identical goats, and lots would be cast. One goat would be designated Lashem for God, and the other goat would be designated Lazazel for Azazel. The goat that was designated Lashem for God was offered as a sacrifice by the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, in the Beis Hamikdash, in the way that a normal carbon, a normal sacrifice was offered. It was slaughtered, it was offered on the altar. All the normal rituals of how an offering was offered was done for this goat that was Lashem for God. It was an offering. But the goat designated Lazazel for Azazel was completely unique. And you'll notice how important this is because it was for this goat designated Lazazel that the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, would say the vidui, the confessional, for all of Klal Yisrael, for the forgiveness, the prayer for forgiveness of the entire Jewish people. And it was this goat sent to Azazel that achieved the forgiveness for the entire Jewish people. What happened to the goat? The goat would be sent with a messenger to the desert several miles outside of Yerushalayim on Yom Kippur. And then when the messenger reached the certain spot, the messenger would push the goat over a cliff ending its life. And this was the major component of the atonement of the Jewish people on Yom Kippur. Lazazel, by the way, in modern Hebrew is a curse word. And to say it delicately, it's used to mean a place far away where nothing good happens, of course, if you're the goat. To say that this ritual is bizarre is an understatement. 
And again, it is this ritual that achieves the main goal of the day. But it, it, it's just astounding. It is, first of all, absolutely unique. There is no other ritual like this. It defies every rule we have about sacrifices, about the Beis Hamikdash, about the Avoda. It's not happening inside the Beis Hamikdash. It's not being done by the Kohen Gadol. It's not being offered as a sacrifice. What do you mean pushing an animal off a cliff? First of all, it's 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 inhumane. It's brutal. It's and 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 what does it do? What's the purpose? What does it achieve? What 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 is accomplished by such a thing? It's it's baffling. It's baffling. And so then you start to look at the explanations, and there are many explanations. And the explanations, I have to tell you, make it more difficult to understand. The Ramban, Nachmanides, the classic medieval commentator, I cannot share with you what the Ramban says. I refuse to tell you. Because if I would tell you what the Ramban says, God forbid, it sounds like idolatry. I, 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 I can't even say the words. I have no way to understand what the Ramban is saying. The Ramban, Nachmanides. I, I, I can't even describe it. I will share with you the understanding of the Maharal, Rabbi Yehuda Loi of Prague. Because this is something very, very deep. The Maharal explains that the Seir HaMishtaleach, this ceremony of the sent away goat, expresses a truth that is so deep that even for us, we who can only recall through our words this ceremony, it is for us today the essence of Yom Kippur. And it goes like this. We are, most of us human beings by nature, behaviorists. We often look at ourselves and others as composites of our actions. We are what we do. So, if we do good things, we are good. If we do bad things, then we are bad. That is incorrect. If we do a sin, commit a sin, it's terrible. It dirties us. It defiles us. It weakens us spiritually. But the sin is not me. Now, please don't misunderstand. Of course, I'm responsible. I'm not in any way mitigating my responsibility for the sin that I commit. But the sin that I commit remains external to me. 
there is me and there is my action. And it is possible. It may be very difficult. And I may never do it. But it is always possible to send that sin away. To divorce that sin from myself. To confess my sin before God. To sincerely regret the mistake that I made. To seriously accept that I will no longer do it again. The components of teshuva of repentance. And to send the sin to the desert. And push it off a cliff. So that it no longer remains. Now. It is very difficult to do this. In a genuine manner. But here's the point. No one of us has ever done anything so bad that we cannot confess before God our sin and send it away. Separate it from us. It may be very difficult. We may not be able to undo the consequences that we have already caused. But it is possible to send away the sin. To separate it from ourselves. And in fact, this is the sentiment that we express in a prayer that we say every day, every morning, at the very beginning of the morning service. We say the following words, Elokai, my God, Neshama Shinasatabi, the soul that you place within me, God, Tahorahi, it is pure. I am pure. I can mess up. I can make a mistake. I can dirty that soul. I can soil that soul. But I can also cleanse it. Because it, I, am pure, am holy, every one of us. And that is the Seir Hamishtaleach. That is the significance, according to the Maharal, of the sent away goat. Listen to the words. Ki When we commit a sin, we make a mistake, it is not our essence. It is something that is external to us that we have done. We're responsible. Again, of course, we're responsible for it. But it's something that is external to my essential being. And something that is external to my essence. I can send it away. Now, it was not automatic. 
and there was no guarantee that it would succeed. But it is always possible. Rabbi Yisachar Fran points out that this is one of the very first lessons that the Torah teaches us at the very beginning of Bereshus. God creates Adam, Adam and Eve. And God says to Adam and Eve, you have one mitzvah. That's it. One commandment. There is nothing in the world that is off limits to you except for one tree. One mitzvah. Don't eat from the fruit of that tree. Everything else is permitted. And Adam and Eve eat from the tree. Imagine their despair. Even a Russia, a wicked person, at least has some mitzvos, has some good deeds. Every person has some good deeds. Adam and Eve, they had nothing. They only had one mitzvah. And they violated it. What does God say to them? Maybe God would say to them, you're bad. I hate you. What you did is unforgivable. And God called out to Adam, and God said to Adam and Eve, where are you? Because in spite of our actions, God wants us. God is looking for us. God is searching for us. Because even if we have messed up in the most terrible way, our essence remains godly. We remain connected to God, notwithstanding the terribleness of our actions. God wants us. God is seeking us. The essence of our innermost identity, the purity of our essence, our unmitigated attractiveness to God, that is what is acted out graphically on Yom Kippur by the Seir Hamishtaleach, the sent away goat. That is the essence of Yom Kippur. That's how the Maharal explains this otherwise baffling ritual, the Seir Hamishtaleach. And that is what we achieve through our words to bring about our forgiveness and purity before God on Yom Kippur.
My friends, I want to wish you a wonderful evening and a beautiful Shabbos. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.